Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm talking to you. I hope you've had a good day. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have had a great day. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you because I've got Pastor Brent McDougall coming on in just a minute. Brent, uh, Dr. Brent McDougall is the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Knoxville. I love the topic we have today. Jesus says uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and that's talking about all of us. Brent, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bill. Great to be with you today. And this is one of my favorite scripture passages. Yeah. So I'm grateful that we can talk about it. Well, I got a little panicky thinking we're going to cover three verses in an hour, but <laughs> I know that you've thought about this long and hard, and I have. I love this topic as well, not to mention this passage. How do you want to start? Should I read these three verses out of Luke 10? Sure. That'd be great. All right. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Wow. There is so much packed in these three verses. And Bill, let me just share for a moment how these verses are set up, because it does say those words, you know, after this, Jesus was teaching about the cost of discipleship. Uh, Things were ramping up for him. There was opposition from the Samaritans. Uh, Herod had uh, killed John the Baptist, and Jesus was grieved over that. Peter had declared, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is telling them, listen, the road is going to be hard. You just need to know the cost is going to be high, but I'm going to be with you. And then he invites them to, with their spiritual eyes, see the harvest that Jesus could see all the time. I can just imagine Jesus walking around and thinking about all the people that God loved and the abundant harvest that God wanted to bring in to the kingdom of God. Yeah, so good. And I know this also shows up, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 9, where he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Yes. Now that's it. Go ahead, Brent. Well, Jesus was so people-focused. You know, he loved people. He he was not interested in, you know, just religion that was ritualistic and, and empty. He loved people. He saw souls. And he invites us to do the same. We can get so caught up in programs and personalities in churches, but the truth is God loves souls. And the the great opportunity we have is that there are souls all around us. There are people that God loves that, that God wants us to have an urgency to reach. So true. And when he looks out and sees people helpless, and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. I can't think of a, a stronger visual than the world in which we live today. Because doesn't have to, you don't have to go very far or out your door too far to start seeing exactly what he's describing. Yes, 
We can lament what we see in America with people turning away from religion. Uh, We can be sad about the change that we see in culture that seems to be against what Jesus Christ came to, to give to us in terms of life and joy. Or we can look at the opportunity and say, Lord, okay, how can you use me? What can, what can I do for your kingdom? And who are the people that, that you've called me to reach? So I think that the invitation is to see things as Jesus sees them and, um, and to experience the joy of the harvest like, like is discussed later on in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Dr. Brent McDougall is my guest. And Brent, the fact we're talking about this prompts me to give you a, a, a quote from a guy that I, I was um, in a Bible study with for a couple of years. He's gone on to be with the Lord, but he said this, God makes you an incredible offer. You can give your life in exchange for the same thing for which Jesus spent his life, people. People mm. last forever. For good or bad, they are eternal. Spend your life helping them prepare for eternity. Don't give your life to mediocrity. Life is too short and the issues of eternity too significant. Yes. What a great quote. Wow. That speaks to the the way that Jesus talked about storing up treasures in heaven. You know, he said, look, you know, don't don't spend all your time just storing up earthly treasures. Those are not going to last. Store up treasures in heaven. That That's found when we share the gospel with others, when we share what we have so that others can have more. When we see the joy of the kingdom multiplied as new people come in to experience the love of God, that's what's going to last into eternity. And so God gives us a um, that that opportunity to again cast our eyes, you know, not just on what's what's on what we see, but what is unseen, uh, not just what is temporary, but on what's eternal. Mm-hmm. Brent, as this passage in Luke ten starts out with, and after this, the Lord appointed seventy two others. I'm trying to figure out this conference, this seminar, where he's got these seventy two gathered, saying, "All right, I'm going to send you out uh, to every town and every place <laughs> where you know he was. I'm about to go." Yeah, and, and let you know there's going to be, uh, you know, lambs among wolves. Right, and there we see how when Jesus asks us to do something, maybe to go cross-culturally, maybe to reach people that we are different from, to go to a place that's, that's not comfortable to us, we can be assured that he's going there too, and uh, he's already at work, you know, as he calls us to go. He's already preparing hearts. And it's also a great reminder that we are not the ones that change people. He does the heavy lifting. He's the one that, you know, uh, has the, the salvation in his name. He's the one who's mighty to save. So we just prepare the way. We are just faithful in the proclamation, and we trust that, that he's going to do the work and that he is already at work. And Brent, when you get sent out to do ministry under the authority of the Lord Jesus, you can and should have confidence. Yes, absolutely. I think confidence is, is critical to, um, to the life of faith. And it's not confidence in our own abilities or our own strength. It's confidence in the words of Jesus and his faithfulness to us in the past. And I believe that, that he wants us to um, embrace this opportunity with a, with a sense of, of urgency and a sense of, um, we need to do this now. This is not something that, that we need to put off for another day. I was thinking this past week about uh, a 9-11 story. We pray for the families that are still grieving. We give thanks for first responders. I was thinking about a a man by the name of Dave Carnes. He's not well known, 
But uh, Dave Carnes was a was a stockbroker living in Connecticut when he learned about the Twin Towers falling. He was also a, a former um, uh, Marine, and he felt like he needed help. And so he felt led by God to get suited up, to go to his church and pray, and then he went to Ground Zero. And uh, Dave Carnes uh, ran in the direction of danger when everyone else was running away. And when he got there, he got on he got on a Ground Zero and was told he shouldn't go in, but he but he did anyway. And he and another person were able to find two people, Will Jimeno and John McLaughlin. They were Port Authority officers buried 20 feet under the rubble. Uh-huh. They had been praying for a miracle. Carnes was the answer to that miracle. And I think about the way that he just had a sense of, um, I've got to go. I've, I've got to do this. And, uh, and then God used him in, in mighty ways. I believe that many people have lost the urgency that, that are found in the words of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is one of those urgent matters in our lives uh, that we need to act swiftly. We need to act with boldness. We got to do this. This cannot delay. Unfortunately, people put it off again and again. They don't act with confidence and they miss an opportunity to um, to help Jesus in the harvest field. Mm-hmm. And Brent, when we say the word harvest, are we referring to the salvation of God's people from judgment? Yes, I believe it's uh, that is the is the most important aspect of of that harvest. You know, Jesus saw um, faith that was growing. He he saw the seeds of the kingdom that were being experienced in people's lives. He saw the way that they were coming to him. And he knew that they were yearning for something, and that something was to be reconciled to God. It was the forgiveness of sins, the experience of grace, and the recognition that there was a loving Heavenly Father who was pleased to give people the kingdom. So that was the harvest that, that, he, uh, that he saw and then he helped his disciples to see. When we look at the uh, contrast or the highlights that would be between lambs and wolves. I, I think of the dangers that would come with the wolves and the opposition that would come with wolves. But then I also see uh, the lambs as kind of implying that Jesus is is the shepherd of the sheep and that he's the great lover of your soul. There's no one that will love your soul like him. Yes, yes. Right. He's the good shepherd. He is the, um, the good shepherd that was spoken of in Psalm 23. He's the, he's the one that leads us to the still waters and, and to the green pastures, and he's the one who fights the wolves. He's very clear with his disciples. Look, he says, you're going to be sent out into some places where there's some danger. There is an enemy, and you can expect to be confronted we see that played out all through not only the Gospels, but in the New Testament as well. You know, Paul confronted so many enemies. He was persecuted again and again. He was threatened. He was stoned. He was, he was uh, just uh, constantly facing opposition. And yet Jesus kept saying to him, my grace is sufficient. I've got you. I'm with you in the harvest field. And that gave him a, a great sense of peace uh, as he was uh, doing the hard work of, of the harvest field. Mm-hmm. Pastor Brent McDougall is my guest. 
We're going to continue our study in Luke chapter 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Do you have a story uh, about you being out in the harvest field where you made a lovely connection with somebody and shared your faith? I'd love to hear that. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'd love to share and celebrate. And again, Pastor Brent McDougall is my guest. We'll be right back with lots more in just a minute. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, host of the Afternoon Show. If you're a reader and you love Susie Larson, I've got quite an offer for you. She has written a new book called Waking Up to the Goodness of God, 40 Days Towards Healing and Wholeness. And you're not going to believe this, but our friends at Thomas Nelson, the publisher, has said, we will give you 100 copies of Susie Larson's brand new book to give away. And all you have to do to enter to win yours is to go to MyFaithRadio.com, connecting faith to life, faith radio. My guest today is Dr. Brent McDougall. He's senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Today we're talking about Luke chapter 10, which is uh, amazing when Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are a few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Jesus wanted uh, Brent, his 72 disciples, to understand what they were getting into and that their their task would, in fact, be quite dangerous, and to prepare for rejection. I think it's really helpful when you're up front with people. You know, Jesus told other stories where he prepared people to know that not everyone was going to uh, accept the word of truth, such as the parable of the sower. Mm -hmm. He said, seeds are planted, some falls on the rocky place, some among the thorns, some among the path. And there are various ways in which the enemy comes and swipes it away or the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word. But then he says, some are going to receive it. And for those who do receive it, it is going to reap an abundant harvest. So he is just so good to us in that he he lets us know um, it's not always going to be easy. You won't always see the results like you think you want to see. But God is doing the work and God's the one that makes things grow. Yesterday, I was talking to my guest about um, just being a gardener, getting out and doing some cultivating and just investing in people's lives and realizing that you don't have to, um, you know, have an altar call that day, but you have to show up and, and sow some seeds in their life and encourage them along the way. Right. You just never know how those seeds are going to make a difference in someone's life. I was talking to someone just yesterday and I thought it was going to be a quick conversation. You know, it wouldn't take long, but I could just sense they were having a hard time. So I just said, all right, I'm going to set aside what I thought I was going to be doing in the next little bit and just focused on that person, spend some time listening to her. And I could tell pretty quickly that that encouragement was making a big difference in her life. Mm -hmm. Her mood, her perspective changed. But you know, Bill, that's not always the case. 
sometimes we, we don't see the impact of the words that we speak, but we just trust that God can use it all. And as it says in Isaiah, you know, the word's not going to return back void. It's going to, it's going to just like the, the rains come down and produce a harvest. That's what God's word is going to do when we speak it. Yeah. So if we start back, uh, Brent with chapter 10, verse one, and after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead uh, of him to every town and place. Let's just uh, focus on the number 72. Is, is this, is this something back to the Moses, Moses's appointment of the elders and numbers? Um, do you know if this, if this is, has some symbolic connection? Is it's Jesus possible recreating that, that event? Yes, it's possible that there is a connection to that Old Testament prophecy or that Old Testament experience. And you know how there's there's an often there's an echo of something that happened in the Old Testament that is being recreated in the new, such as the 12 disciples being appointed to 12, you know, right. thrones, of course they will judge one day. And so, yes, it's possible that that was true. Uh, it could also be that he was appointing 72, um, that that was the number of the the villages. There were 36 sort of main mm. villages sending his disciples to. And so 72 is two at a time. And and so they're going out to um, to, you know, the the places that were near as well as the the edges of the field where they were called to work. Jesus said that he's going to send us out to the uttermost ends of the earth. And so maybe there's a representation of the way in which um, it is a it is a widespread movement. It is going to far off places and um, and and Jesus needs lots of workers. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. We we need workers. This is one of those of those times where Jesus actually says something very specific to pray for. He doesn't say this kind of thing very often, but here he is very specific. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. So every day, Bill, at 10, 10 in the morning and two minutes, I have a little silent alarm that goes off, a little vibrating alarm on my watch. And every day at 10.02, like Luke 10.2, I pray that God would send out workers into the harvest field. Oh. I pray that God would raise up workers God, would you bring workers to be a part of our congregation? But God, it's not just about us. It's about your kingdom and this city. God, would you raise up workers in Knoxville to care for the people that you love? Every day I try to pray that prayer. And it's not just me. This is not my idea. There are lots of people that have also set a similar reminder. So people are praying all around the world for workers to be sent out. That's so convicting, Brent, because when we when we made this the topic of today's discussion and I was starting to think about do I pray intentionally uh, for workers to be sent out for the harvest? And I always start, well, hey, Bill, what are you doing yourself? <laughs> you know, are, are you are you going out um, and doing it? And I don't pray as intentionally as I should. Yes. I think we need practices to help us to, to pray. You know, it's like um, the, the muscle of faith. We, yeah. we need opportunities that are regular to pray. I found that um, a lot of times if I'm not bearing the fruit that I want to see happen, it's because I'm not doing the just the daily routines of, of faithfulness, such as praying to the Lord, send out workers. So when I've done that, when I've had a more regular sort of practice of doing that, I can tell you, Bill, 
I have seen this prayer answered again and again. And it is amazing when, when I pray this and then my, um, my heart is just made glad when, you know, someone comes to connect with our church or I hear of a new ministry that's beginning and I say, Lord, you're doing it. And, uh, so I do think it takes intentionality. Yeah. Brent, when you, uh, contemplate the, the, really the first missionary journey of the 12, which was, uh, sent to Israel. And I'm thinking now, as I look at the 72 appointed, that would make perfect sense so that the mission of the 72 would be to the Gentiles. Right. It's going out beyond the people of Israel. There was that turn that happened, you know, in Jesus's ministry where more and more um, those people that were on the edges of religious life were being invited in. That was the way that um, Jesus said it would happen from the very beginning when he was in Nazareth preaching that first sermon. He peeled back the curtain to say, look, this is good news for the Gentiles too. And it's going out in every village, every nook nook and cranny of the world. That is God's vision to be filled with the glory of God and the knowledge of who God is. So what a blessing it is to be included in that, in that enterprise, right? Is it ever? I mean, we're, we're in the family business and God invites us to, to be a part of that. It it really is a blessing. And Brent, just the depth of scripture, because, and I would read that verse and go, okay, he appointed 72 others. And now I'm starting to go, oh, oh, that number is so significant. And I get it now. And the depth of scripture, it's just, it's inexhaustible. Yes. So true. Yeah. That's why I think, you know, we need to read the Bible on a regular basis. I believe reading through the whole of the Bible is important, not just passages here and there. And Bill, we need to be reading the Bible in community. So it's a, it's a personal endeavor, but it's also an opportunity to get together and, and learn and, and hear the spirit speak through other people. And we begin to hear these echoes all through the scripture that that um, you know start to kind of pop in our minds. And I think when that begins to happen, you can't ignore the clarion call that is found uh, with Jesus and his disciples. Mm-hmm. Brent, Jesus sends sends them out two by two. I don't know if are we doing that on today as well as say the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> That's a that's a very interesting image you've drawn up there because I see them. Get it. I see them you know, two by two all the time. I know it. Yeah, and uh, we we see this among Mormons out in communities, in pairs. There is um, something about the DNA of discipling movements that that involves two or or more people. So um, one thing that I always ask, Bill, if someone comes to me and they say, hey, I've got this idea for ministry, it could be an amazing idea, you know, a, a really good direction. But one of my first questions I'll ask is, hey, that's great. You know, who else maybe has a vision for this? Or is there someone else that you know of that might want to come along on this journey? And often what happens if people would say, you know, there really isn't anyone else, then I might say, well, let's pray about that. Let, mm-hmm. Let's just ask to reveal someone because we're, we're called to do this together. And uh, there's something about, you know, when Jesus said, hey, if any any two of you agree, um, then it will be done for you. Yeah. And, and I do believe that we are sent out for the strength of encouragement, the, the wisdom of going together and the way that God works through not just one person, but, but communities. Yeah. Take a little break, Pastor 
and Dr. Brent McDougall is my guest. We're in Luke chapter 10, the verse three verses. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I hope you're a harvest worker. We'll take a short break and be right back. My guest today is Dr. Brent McDougall. He's the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're talking today about Luke chapter 10. And the Lord invites us to partner with him in expanding his kingdom. Hard to believe, isn't it, Brent? It is that the God of the universe would invite people like us to (laughs) do the same things that Jesus did. And to expect that his power and his presence are going to go with us, it is um, it is something to to consider for sure. Mm-hmm. In verse three, it says, "Go, go, go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves." I, I know when people read that, they think of the dangers that they're going to encounter, and it seems that there are so many dangers nowadays, ones that they can never even anticipate. Yet God still calls us to go do it anyway. Right. We are called to go out into a harvest field that is unknown. We don't know exactly what we're going to encounter sometimes. We just take one more step of faith and we just seek to um, uh, to, to do the things and to say the things that God wants us to do. You know, it kind of makes sense that there would be danger if we think that we're going out to be like lambs among wolves because wouldn't you agree, Bill, that there is danger for those that we're called to reach? There's a oh, there's absolutely. a mortal kind of danger. I mean, there is a there's an oppression of the soul. There is an eternal danger that they face. So when we step out into the harvest field that's unknown and, and risky, it's a representation of the fact that the people that we're called to reach, they're the ones that are really in danger. And so how can we lay down our lives as Jesus did for us so that they can experience something that they've never had before? Brent, how about this for a scary prayer? Father, uh, show me where and how to serve you. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a scary prayer that that says I'm laying down my own agenda. Yeah. I, am um i'm even laying down the outcomes i'm i'm not you know saying lord you do what you want to do i'm just going to be faithful the outcomes are in your hands your timing i've been preaching recently about sarah and abraham and they both had a tendency to kind of get frustrated with god's timing so they kept wanting to go to plan b let's try something different maybe this is how god's going to answer the prayer and it just led to all kinds of mistakes and uh getting off track so when we when we pray lord your will be done that is a prayer that um it's it's like a it's like a a a mission statement or a a posture of the heart in one little phrase that is a a call to lay down our lives and do what god wants us to do not what we want Mm -hmm. usually those prayers are they're they're nerve-wracking for people because what they always say, well, what if God asked me to go to, they always pick some like remote place like Africa 
you know, the last place they'd want to go. And I always think, well, if God called you to go there, you'd be thrilled to be there. You, you think you don't want to go, but wait until you get there. And you're going right. to find exactly what God's plan was for your life. Right. I do believe that we've got to settle in our hearts. Are we, are we willing to go to far off places? Because I do believe if we're not really in our hearts willing to go to far off places, we're probably not going to reach our neighbor either. You know, it's because it, it's all one, one following. It's not, it's not something that we get to dictate the terms of. Uh, are we really willing to go? I remember when I was a, a, a freshman in, in college, Bill, and, uh, I was at uh, school in Georgia. My parents came for a weekend and they want to go to church. So we went to a church and I remember specifically the pastor was giving a mission call and he, he said, all right, now I want everyone to stand up. If you are willing to go anywhere and do anything for, for Jesus Christ. And I tell you, Bill, the whole congregation stood up, including my parents. And I did not stand up. Whoa. I, I said, I just don't think I'm willing. I, wow. I don't care. And it was a defining moment for me. It was, it was an honest moment. And um, my mom was looking at me like, are you crazy? We raised you in church. What are you doing? You know, yeah. but I, I just knew in my heart, I am not willing to go. So that began, uh, that was sort of a first step, just an honest moment with God and I really had to reckon with, am I willing to go? And if, if, if not, why not? And, and now I can say very clearly that I, I've turned that question around and I am willing to go. Um, God still is working in my life and, and, you know, uncovering places of, of, uh, of disobedience, you know, just like it says in Jeremiah, our hearts are desperately wicked. You know, we, we don't even know our own hearts sometimes, but I, but I do believe that I got to a place of surrender where I am able to say, yeah, God, I'll go, I'll do it. Um, and uh, I do think that many Christians never really consider, are they willing to go? Are they willing to answer that urgent call? Is it that important? And um, let's not kid ourselves, you know, let, let's be honest, you know, and say, God, I'm not there yet, maybe, but I want to be there. Or God, yes, I'm willing to go, but I'm afraid. Help, help me to overcome that fear. Mm -hmm. it's so important to put our lives every day on the altar and, and say, Lord, make me a, a vessel. Use me for your purposes and, and, and help me to be content with that. And then I'm thrilled, Brent, that there are opportunities like the kind of opportunity we're enjoying right now, where we're getting to uh, talk about uh the Bible and God's word and Jesus. And there are 170 countries that download faith radio mm. uh, podcasts and shows. <laughs> so we're, you know, you and I are having an opportunity today to reach a lot of people in a lot of faraway places. I hope it's encouraging. I, I do feel like there are so many people, Bill, um, who need that encouragement. We all need encouragement. You know, you, you could give someone a lot of encouragement one day and they would never, I don't, I don't think anyone has ever said, you know, I, I got enough encouragement. You know, I, I I'm good. I, I don't need any more. We all need more. You know, we all need a faith that is strengthened and um, a faith, a faith that is renewed. So I pray when, when you and I have the opportunity to talk or when I have the opportunity to, to preach God's word or teach God's word, I say, Lord, would you, 
speak to people's hearts mm-hmm. and let them know they are not alone and that your love is enough and your grace is sufficient. And, uh, and you're going to do what you said you're going to do. We can, we can bank on that. Mm-hmm. Pastor Brent McDougall is my guest. We're talking about Luke chapter 10. If you just joined us, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I remember something a pastor said uh, 30 plus years ago. I can't get it out of my head. It's still in there. And I share it here on the radio kind of regularly. But he said, here's a good diagnostic for you. Uh, Can you tell me the last time you read something in God's word that was fresh in a new way that you read it maybe for the 10th time, but today the Holy Spirit led you to a new understanding. And what is it? And then the second thing was, can you tell me the last time and place that you intentionally shared your faith with another person? And if you can mm. answer those two questions, you're doing pretty good. Mm. That's good. Yes. Sometimes the simplest things we can understand it, but sometimes, yeah, those, those things are the things we just don't do. And, uh, if we could build those practices in, oh my goodness, what a difference we could make in the world. Well, yeah, I had mentioned, uh, anyone that wanted to share a story of them being in the harvest field. I know that would be really encouraging. Uh, was it someone that you, you, you met at the, at a store or in a, in a, a club environment that you go to, a book club? I mean, where did you get an opportunity to share your faith and, and being intentional about it? And when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, and you walked away going, you know, I think I was a worker today. I, I, I know that there are people who, when Jesus says he looks out and see people that are helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd— if you want to share that story, I know that would be so encouraging for other listeners to to hear what you did and the opportunity you took advantage of. Because like Brent and I are saying, um, Jesus is very intentional about letting us know that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. 877-933-2484 to share your story. Keep it brief if you want, or as long as you want. I'd just be real curious to hear when is the last time you felt like you were uh, in the work in the field, and there was a harvest, and you did something about it. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Brent, when I look at the Gospel of Luke, and it seems that Luke is the only Gospel writer to record the specific commissioning of the disciples. So I'm kind of back to that number seventy two again. Yes, um, there was something here that Luke wanted us to know, and of course. Luke's gospel is all about the movement to the Gentiles. You know, Matthew was mostly about the connection to the Old Testament and reaching Jewish people. Luke is expanding things out. Mm-hmm. He's He's got that bigger picture. You know, Luke was a, um, a physician. He was someone who was following Christ. He saw that bigger picture of the, of the movement of the gospel. So he includes lots of stories that demonstrate that idea of, of moving out. But of course, Luke was still very rooted in the scripture, like every young Jewish man who went to Torah school as a, as a child. He, he knew, he knew the scripture. He was making connections and seeing a new thing that God was doing. Mm-hmm. And I know that <clears throat> Jesus also calls them to prayer because he always does. And when we are doing the work of the harvest. How important is it, Brent, to be 
saturating yourself in prayer. Absolutely. How foolish would we be to go out into the harvest field and, and forget that Jesus was there or to neglect the source of comfort and help in the middle of, um, of, the, of the difficulty. I do believe that there's something about ministry, Bill. There's something about serving Jesus that can sometimes take us away from Jesus. We get so busy. We do so many things that seem religious. It's pretty easy to check up sometimes and say, you know what? I think I've lost my first love here a little mm, bit. I think I've lost my sense of connection. And that's a time of repentance. You know, God is so good to us. Every time we turn to the Lord, he doesn't turn us away. He He looks for us like the father looks for the prodigal son down the road. And we just turn to him again and again. I, I described to my congregation recently in talking about Abraham and Sarah about how the life of faith is is often something like this. It is it's faith. We walk by faith. We mess up. We fail. We repent. We turn back to the Lord. And then we walk by faith again, you know, and so it's faith, failure, repentance. We just keep coming back again and again because we need that. And he's the one that will guide us to a life of fruitfulness, mm-hmm. not ourselves. Brent, when I was kind of doing some studying in preparation for today and my conversation with you, I was thinking of the lack of workers and the danger that is associated with the work, but then the one thing that came to my mind was this amazing uh, power that's available for this task that comes from God and it's there for us and we're going to need it, but it's there. Right. It is there for us. I have found that oftentimes my sense of the power doesn't show up until I've taken the step of faith. Mm-hmm. So God looks for us to take that first step. He empowers us to take the first step. But often we don't see the power of God until we really get our get out there, you know, and, and really, you know, and I think it's almost like we step by faith, recognizing, God, I believe I'm following you. I want to follow your voice. And I know you're going to have to hold me up. You're going to have to be there and and, and help me. So um, what I've often found is that when we do take that little that little step of faith that God looks to that. And, and I do believe that God, that pleases God, you know, and the Bible says he searches to and fro for someone who's faithful to him. And so he empowers the one who's, who walks by faith, but it's often not until we get out into the harvest field that we actually have a sense of the power. So many times I've had opportunities to go and minister somewhere to serve somewhere. And honestly, Bill, sometimes I'll think, oh, I'm I'm just not feeling very strong today. I don't know if I really want to go, but I'm going to go. And you just step by faith. And then I've often found when I show up, God does something amazing, unexpected, powerful. And, you know, God's getting all the glory for that because I know it wasn't about me. Mm -hmm. And Brent, I think it's in Luke 9 that Jesus had previously sent out the 12 to preach and to heal. So now we're in chapter 10 where he's going, now it's time, it's harvest time and the harvest is plentiful. Yes, the harvest is plentiful. There are so many opportunities that we have, you know, no one can say, I don't have anyone to talk to, you know, I don't have anyone to share with. Um, The, the harvest is plentiful as Jesus has declared it, there are there there are people that need to be reached. 
There are problems that need to be addressed. There are opportunities that we will have every day to, to share the gospel. So I do believe it's important as you, as you mentioned earlier to say, Lord, I'm willing, I'm willing to be used today. Would you put something, would you put someone in my path today that I can bless someone that I can encourage or share a word with about you? And as we, as we ask for that, I I believe that God um, will give us those opportunities. If we're, if we're willing to, See the harvest, look to the harvest, and, and get out in the field. Yeah, so, so good. Dr. Brent McDougall is my guest. We're going to take a break and then come back and continue talking about Luke chapter 10, the verse, first three verses only. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you've had a, a experience in the harvest field lately and you'd be willing to share how it went and what you did, I'd love to hear that, 877 2484, no pressure, but love to hear it. Be right back with Brent in just a minute. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are kids in desperate need of Jesus, food and medical care. This is your time to become their champion, to change their life. When you sponsor just One child, you plant seeds of hope in their heart, and you work together with people on the ground to change the families, communities, and the future of these kids. You might not be able to change the world, but for one child, you can change theirs. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Back with Dr. Brent McDougall today. We're talking about Luke chapter 10, and the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And during the break, Brent, I was, again, thinking about the Jesus, you know, sent out the, the sent them out in pairs. And I, I always think, well, okay, why? And I, it, it was it because they needed uh, support and the testimony of two witnesses, I mean, things are different right now. We always work with so much autonomy in the world today. It's like, I'm going to meet so-and-so for coffee and try to share my faith. And we don't do two-by-two that much anymore. Right. Some of the best outreach we can do is actually in group life. As you have opportunity to invite someone to a small group that you're in, or perhaps just to get to know another friend, you know, hey, hey, the two, hey, we're going to get together. We'd love for you to join us for coffee. You don't got to go it alone. And, um, I've got a couple of friends in particular, Bill, that we're like a tag team. When we are together, man, Mm -hmm. the spirit is moving and we just complement each other and kind of, you know, keep each other in check, you know, when it, when the, how a conversation may be going. And of course, whenever you, you talk to someone, we never want to treat people like their projects or that, you know, we are always sort of driving toward this agenda to, to get a decision or something like that. So having someone else there can also be a little bit of a guardrail for let's, let's keep Jesus in the center and let's just trust him as we're uh, having the opportunity to share. So man, what a gift that is. You know, friendship is built into the, into the kingdom of God. We were meant to have strong friendships People that were brothers and sisters, that's the language of the New Testament that uh, we continue to, to want to approximate, but sometimes don't get there. But what a difference a good godly friend makes on that journey. Now, I love the energy and the synergy that you're talking about with this other person 
And I can see that conversation being a little bit more lively. But then I also think the the person that you're talking to isn't feeling ganged up on, are they? That's right. You just, you just, you know, you're just, you're having conversation and, um, it's, 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 it's among not just the two of you. Sometimes we feel like the sharing of our faith is always going to sound heavy. It's going to sound, um, you know, a little bit intentional around certain ideas or that kind of thing. But I've found the more conversational we can make things, the more we listen to what someone else is saying. I think that that can actually be the, sort of the new context in which faith is is received better. We're just sharing what we have. And sometimes it can be so simple. You know, I, I think about the um the way that you can give your testimony sometimes in just in just 15 seconds, you know, um, and it sounds something like this. You know, I I used to be a really uh impatient person. I used to get so angry with this and that. But you know what? God changed my heart. And now I'm patient. Uh God is giving me grace in certain situations. That's my story. You know, we can, you know, there's a lot of used to be's in, in the kingdom, right? <laughs> you know, I, I used to be angry. I, I used to be um, uh, a liar, you know, but God has given me a sense of the truth now. And we can just share our faith in simple ways, Bill. Uh, just a few days ago, I was sharing with someone who is not a believer. And we were talking about, we happen to be talking about um, a neighbor of mine and and I said, um, we were talking about the challenge sometimes to love our neighbors. And I said, well, you know, I happen to follow a guy who said, love your neighbor. So that's why <laughs> I continue to, to, <laughs> to try to let, you know, and so it can just come very naturally. Yeah. The more you do it, the more it just sort of flows out and doesn't have to be that heavy. It's life. Right. It's way, if they can get a, a taste of that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It just, it's compelling. I yeah. knew you were a sneaky guy, Brent McDougall. <laughs> Here's a great comment. Uh, I just, it just came in on the text line. I rarely feel like I am a harvest worker. So I've been asking God to help me see where he's working so I can do my part. About a month ago, I was walking my dog. A neighbor was out in front of her house and I simply asked her how she was doing. Almost immediately, she gets teary-eyed about something in her life. I listened to her for some time and then began to ask about her faith. Well, more tears. So I told her how God was my anchor and my guide in life. The conversation ended well, and she was so thankful for my words. I'm sure I went home with a smile on my face. What a beautiful testimony. Oh my, I just get teary-eyed reading that. Praise God. It's just the, the every day, yeah. you know, and this is what Jesus did. He was out in the fields. He was in the villages. He was by the well. He was in the house. He was at the table. Yeah. Just telling stories and sharing life and helping people to know that that God was there and God loved them. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have to be afraid. Yeah. Brent, we'll go back to verse 3 in Luke 10 that says, Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Is there any particular instruction we get from Jesus on how to handle being rejected? What a great question. I, I do think there is that injunction that 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 imperative go that is so important you know that that command of jesus and uh in spite of the the wolves that that we're going to encounter well one thing you know back to what we were talking about before you know there's there's strength in numbers right you know a wolf can attack one person but he's going to think twice before he attacks two people or three people that are that are on the journey together 
I think also the way in which we um, arm ourselves, as it talks about in the book of Ephesians, you know, putting on the, um, the, the armor of God, being ready for the day, uh, it, you know, whether it's by equipping ourselves with the word of God, that's our strength, um, with the way in which we have been given salvation to remind ourselves of the belt of, of truth that we have that girds us, all those things can prepare us and help us to to not feel um, like we are completely defenseless. You know, we we have a we have a defender, we have a strong tower and a refuge to fall back on. So, again, we don't have to be afraid. Jesus just wants us to be aware. You know, and like any like any place that you might go in a city or a town, wherever you may be, you know, you just kind of keep your wits about you. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said. Be wise as serpents and innocent as a dove. You know, you you go knowing that there's opposition, but that you've got the Lord on your side. And if God is on your side, what's there really to be afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, we can always pick an attitude when I think of how it's easy to say we live in such a lost, broken world. Okay, we can say that, and that's true. But when I look at verse 2, it's when I read the harvest is plentiful. That's kind of encouraging. That's pretty positive. That's a really positive reminder of what's in front of me today. That's right. Yeah. The harvest is not scarce. The The harvest is abundant and it is by the abundance of God that we are, we are called to go. It's a good word for us too, because I think that we sometimes take, we take it for granted. We think, well, people are just going to come to my church. They know they can always come. They're going to be here. Jesus says, no, you need to go to them. You need to get out in the harvest field. And if we are lamenting the lack of decisions that people are making for Christ or walking away from church, maybe that's our signal. Hey, it's time to follow what Jesus had to say. Mm -hmm. It's time to get out go. We need to go. Let's recapture that urgency, recapture the vision of the harvest, believe we're going to meet Jesus there. And that is going to lead to just the the increase of joy like we could never imagine. What a great closing thought. Thank you so much, Brent, for coming on the show. Always a delight to have you on. Enjoy it, Bill. Thank you for the invitation. You bet. Dr. Brent McDougall has been my guest. We talked about Luke chapter 10, the first three verses only today. It's been a wonderful discussion. If you missed any of it, go to the podcast, myfaithradio.com. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.